Soon after being sworn in, President Donald Trump signed an executive order intended to limit the effects of the Affordable Care Act. But only Congress can repeal or modify that law. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine. And I'm talking with Timothy Jost, an emeritus professor at the Washington and Lee University School of Law. Professor Jost has written a perspective article about how Trump can weaken the ACA without action by Congress. Professor Jost, what effect has Trump's executive order had on the implementation of the ACA thus far this year? What steps has the administration taken to undermine the law? Well, of course, the executive order was signed on the inauguration day and created quite a stir at the time. Some people proclaiming that it was going to significantly undermine the Affordable Care Act and others looking at it and deciding that probably it wasn't going to have that great an effect. So far, the Trump administration has done several things which I think undermine the Affordable Care Act and other things which might help stabilize markets, at least in the short run. Probably the most important thing that the Trump administration has done so far is to create some uncertainty as to whether the individual mandate is still being enforced. And that was created by the executive order itself, which talked about waiving various ACA requirements but also by an action taken by the Internal Revenue Service, which was going to start this year. They hadn't done this earlier, but they were going to start this year sending back tax returns where people had not indicated on their return whether they had, in fact, had coverage as required by the individual mandate or were applying for an exemption. And the IRS decided not to do that. They did say that the mandate was still in effect, but they left quite a bit of confusion with tax preparers and software manufacturers as to what exactly to tell people as to how strict compliance was going to be enforced. And so I think that's had an effect. The Trump administration also, in the last week of the open enrollment period for 2017 for the marketplaces, cut off the advertising that was underway and the enrollment at that point flatlined for the rest of the year, just at a time when historically young and healthy people have been most likely to enroll. And that, I think, has had an effect as well. Beyond that, the Trump administration has proposed some regulations that I believe are going to have some adverse effect on consumers, but at least they were regulations that the insurance industry really wanted And insofar as those help keep insurers in the market for the next year, they might have at least somewhat of a positive effect. So since the executive order and since your article was published, Republicans have released the American Health Care Act. Would that bill fulfill the promises that Trump and other GOP leaders made to repeal the ACA and to replace it with something that's both better and less expensive? No. In the first place, it doesn't repeal the Affordable Care Act. It leaves, I would guess, 90 to 95 percent of the text of the Affordable Care Act in place. It does repeal some Affordable Care Act provisions, most importantly, probably the penalties imposed by the individual and employer mandates and virtually all of the taxes imposed by the Affordable Care Act. And it also would phase out federal funding for uh, at least enhanced federal funding for the Medicaid expansions under the Affordable Care Act. And it does amend a number of provisions of the Affordable Care Act, too. It changes the way that the premium tax credits are calculated to try to give more money to younger and higher income people and less to 
and lower income people. And it does repeal or change a couple of the insurance reforms that would get rid of the actuarial value, metal levels, the bronze, silver, gold, platinum metal levels, and would change the age rating under the Affordable Care Act. But it doesn't really repeal the Affordable Care Act as such, and it certainly doesn't replace it with something better, at least for most of the people who have been helped by the Affordable Care Act. The Congressional Budget Office analysis, for example, that just came out projects that it will result in higher deductibles, higher cost sharing generally than the Affordable Care Act, and will make premiums much higher for, again, older and lower income people. The CBO did say that over time it would reduce premiums by 10%, but the analysis that came out this morning from the Brookings Institute looks at that more closely and finds that after you adjust for the increased cost sharing and the increased premiums paid by older people, in fact, it would increase premiums by about 13% over the long run, in addition to premium increases that otherwise would have taken place. And the CBO itself said that in the short run, it would increase premiums by 15 to 20% above increases that would otherwise have occurred. So the bill has encountered some criticism from conservative Republicans in Congress, and the president just recently agreed to adding optional Medicaid work requirements and a block grant option to the plan. Do you think that's going to be enough to make the right wing of the Republican Party happy with it? I don't know. I mean, I certainly can't speak for the right wing of the Republican Party, but Trump and the Republican leadership has a very difficult task because the right wing of the party is calling for changes like the ones you just mentioned and also doesn't particularly like the tax credits, the fact that they would continue to be available. On the other hand, in the Senate, we're hearing increasingly from moderate senators, and I think in the House we'll probably be hearing increasingly from moderate Republicans who think that maybe the bill should move in the other direction, providing more generous support for older and poorer people, for example, and also the bill's end of support for Planned Parenthood, I think is going to be controversial with at least some senators. So I think the politics of this are pretty complicated, and President Trump and the House and Senate leadership really have their job cut out for them to get something over the finish line, even without any Democratic support, which is why they're doing it through the budget reconciliation process, which only requires a simple majority vote in the Senate and can't be filibustered. How have insurers and insurance markets responded both to Trump's earlier actions and now to these latest proposals about ACA reform? Well, in general, they have been cautiously supportive, and in that respect, I think, differ from just about every other provider organization. The American Medical Association, all of the hospital associations, I believe a number of other provider groups have come out against the legislation as it's been drafted. The insurance industry has been more careful, and I think advisedly so, because they are so dependent upon the government and the Trump administration and where it goes, not just for the individual market, but also for the Medicaid and Medicare markets, where they have a much, much bigger stake. 
They've been cautiously supportive. On the other hand, they're not promising they're coming back for 2018, and I think some things are going to have to happen if plans are going to come back for 2018, the most important of which is that all of the uncertainty that currently is affecting the market be resolved in some way. And the other thing that I think is really important and isn't getting nearly enough attention is the cost-sharing reduction payments, which are being litigated right now in the lawsuit that the House filed against the Obama administration. If the courts in that case, well, if the Trump administration, I suppose, decides to stop paying the cost-sharing reduction payments, I think at that point the individual market collapses very, very quickly. That case has been continued until May and will probably be continued beyond that. But I think that's going to be a very important marker as to whether the insurers come back for next year. So finally, and following on from that answer, if Congress takes longer than originally anticipated to pass new health care legislation, what can the Trump administration do beyond what it's already done? How much power does it have to stop enforcing certain provisions, as you now suggest, or to vastly change the way they've been implemented? Well, I don't think it can do much in the short run. As we said in our article, and the article was written both by myself and Simon Lazarus of the Constitutional Accountability Center, the Trump administration can't simply disobey the law. They can't simply stop enforcing the law. And much of the policy of the Obama administration is set down in rules. Under the Administrative Procedures Act, the Trump administration would have to publish proposed changes in those rules and then take comments on them, and that all takes time. So they certainly could make some changes, and they've already said that they are, for example, going to continue the Obama administration's policy of allowing noncompliant plans from 2013 to continue to be sold to people who are already buying them. But in terms of kind of a massive decision to stop enforcing the law, that would be illegal. It would almost certainly be challenged in the courts, as we're seeing now with the immigration changes that the Trump administration tried to make. They have to really proceed through regular order, which they have been doing so far. I trust that they will continue to do. Thank you, Professor Jost.